this year weather-wise. We went from having a really, really long winter, little snow in this area, more in, in other parts of the state, um, and then we had like seven days of spring. Seven days, and then all of a sudden now we've radically shifted into more summer-like temperatures. And, and of course, when, when that happens in Minnesota, you have that quick shift. Um, if you did have a lot of snow and you live close to a river, of course, that radically increases your, your chance of flooding and stuff. And, and when I think about flooding and whatnot like that, I, I think about people passing the sandbag passing the sandbags and, and building that wall to hold that water back. And of course, they want to protect their homes. They want to protect their fi- families. They, they want to protect their businesses. And they, of course, they all pitch in and they protect their neighbors as well. And so it's really a standing shoulder to shoulder to build the wall. Shoulder to shoulder. And we've been in this wall-building project as we've studied the book of Nehemiah. And we left off last week with Nehemiah encouraging the people with a, we can do this. I, I thought about your, your we can do this thing uh, too, Lou. But we can do this. God's got this. And we translated that to the church. God's got this. We can do this. We can rebuild the ministry well, Nehemiah um, had the people responding to, to that encouragement with a, a hearty, let's start the rebuilding. And they began to, to do the good work of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. And we're going to continue our journey in Nehemiah as we pick up the rebuilding process in chapter 3 this morning. But before I read the text, I want to pray, and and pray in part because it's the Holy Spirit that illuminates the word for us, that we can understand what is he saying in in the Bible, how can we apply it to our lives. It's the Holy Spirit that does that for us. And so I encourage you to practice that when you're on your own, reading your Bible. Ask God to, to help you to understand what it is that he wants you to know through his word. The other reason I want to pray this morning is, is this chapter I liken to driving down a Minnesota dirt road in the spring. Now that's quite an analogy, huh? You're going to hear soon enough why I said that. So let's just pray before we read the word this morning. God, we just thank you for the treasure that is between the covers of your book, that, that it is so deep so wide, just how it is that you instruct us through it and and bless us and train us. And and so, God, we just thank you for your word this morning. We just pray that you, the Holy Spirit, would illuminate it to our minds, that we would understand what it is that you're trying to say to us through it and how we can take it and apply it to our lives. And so we thank you for that, Lord. You are good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, starting with chapter 3, verse 1 this morning. Then Eliashib, the high priest, arose with his brothers, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They consecrated the wall to the Tower of the Hundred and the Tower of Hananel. Next to him, the men of Jericho built, and next to them, Zakor, the son of Emery, built. Now here's where things get a little interesting. Now the son of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. 
The next of them, Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, made repairs. And next to him, Meshalam, the son of Berechiah, and the son of Meshazabel, made repairs. So I'm going to stop there. <laughs> because by now you're thinking this would be great bedtime reading material for you as you listen to me stumble over all those different names. It's like hitting the potholes in the springtime roads. You try and pick your way around them. The frost boils the, the, the potholes and everything. And, and so you're picking your way through and then you hit one of those potholes and it's just like, ugh. And that's how it is reading this passage. Every time you hit one of those names, it's just like, ugh. And you get bogged down in it. And quite frankly, I'm not even sure how close I came to pronouncing some of those properly. Um, it's, it's just a, a crazy chapter because that's how the whole chapter goes. 32 verses. I just read four of them. Difficult names. And so I didn't want to run the risk of you falling asleep in church this morning. And so I'm not going to read any further. I encourage you, um, pull it out tonight. Um, but I didn't want, you, didn't want to run the risk of de- you declaring, well, that's why I don't read God's word. I didn't want that to happen either. Because, of course, we know all of God's word is for our benefit. And sometimes I think in passages like this, we just have to look a little harder or approach it a little differently. And I believe as we do that, we're going to understand what it is that God has for us this morning. Nehemiah stays true to what we know of him thus far. He was disciplined and he was thorough. He organized the people in the process. It wasn't a helter-skelter approach to rebuilding the wall. It was an organized and directed effort, a standing shoulder-to-shoulder to rebuild the wall. God gives us through Nehemiah the people, the places, and the pattern of the rebuilding process. And so we're going to look at those three parts this morning, the people, the, the places, and the pattern. And we're going to start with the people. So how many of you, when you go to a movie, after that, that final scene has played out and they start playing that ending song that they usually throw on there now, will just sit there and watch all of the credits roll. And you read them name by name, every single one. Not just the, the, the main actors, but the supporting actors, and then probably even down to the makeup artist and the wardrobe and, you know, the behind the scenes and, and all that. Who sits there and watches all of that? Okay, great. Hats off to you. Um, that's because you probably go to the cities or, and watch a movie there, and there's a lot more people than there are at our movie theaters up here, and you probably are patient and you want everybody else to get out first. Um, doesn't have to happen that way up here. Um, but but what, what that is, is is every single name represents someone who played a part. They had a role. Even if that role was behind the scenes, seemingly insignificant to the project, the project could not have happened without them fulfilling their role. They were important. God directed Nehemiah to record the names of those that fulfilled a role in the rebuilding of the wall in Jerusalem. 
And the list of people included just a wide variety. Obviously a wide variety of names, but also in positions like the officials, spiritual and governmental officials, priests and governors. Those that worked on the wall included residents, both men and women, merchants, goldsmiths, perfume makers. Some are recorded as doing extra work, taking on more than one portion of the wall. And then I I just love this particular individual. He was recorded as being zealous in his efforts. In reading through that third chapter, we can see that Nehemiah rallied the people, virtually everyone from all walks of life, leader and commoner, men and women, merchant to manufacturer, each took part in the rebuilding process. They displayed different trades and and giftings, the positions that were mentioned. You know, it's interesting that as you read through it, there's not a single carpenter or wall builder named. There possibly was some, we we don't know, but none of them were named. But they all put their hand to the good work and they started building. They stood together shoulder to shoulder and began the process and their names were recorded. Nehemiah also lists the places that the people worked. There were various gates, 11 in total, total, and six of those were repaired. There were different sections of the wall that was listed. There were also four towers that are mentioned in this chapter. And it's interesting as you read through this passage that you can see that Nehemiah strategically placed people where they would have had a vested interest. The priests worked on the area that had spiritual significance, like the sheep gate. Nehemiah directed others to work in sections in front of their homes, or maybe in um, their neighbor's, or in front of their neighbor's house. And and I believe he did this for for a couple of reasons, or at least we can can kind of pull this from this. Is is one? It was the precious time wouldn't be wasted in the commute. If you remember back, I think it was last week, um, that, that we learned that Nehemiah couldn't inspect parts of the wall because of the debris. And so he, he couldn't get through. He had to go around it. Well, if they were going to be rebuilding the wall, they would have had to have passed through those areas if they were commuting. And so they didn't have to commute. Most of them worked in front of their own homes. And so until that debris was cleared, of course, this would have made a lot of sense. The second reason is Nehemiah placed people at the part of the wall that would have impacted them the most directly. It was the wall that was going to be closest to their families. Thus, there would have been motivation to work quickly and properly, to work diligently to protect their family. You know, whether the priests were assigned in in, in those places with the, the greater spiritual significance or the people closer to their homes, Nehemiah placed them in a place where they would have had an increased sense of responsibility. Nehemiah blended the concept of self-interest with the group's objectives, and this was done to help everyone feel that the part of the project that they were assigned to was his own. It encouraged ownership in the project. 
Likewise in the church. And we touched briefly on this a couple of weeks ago when we, when we encouraged you to listen to your heart. Because when we listen to our heart, what God's placing on it by way of contributing and, and taking ownership, when we act on that, we then want to serve in those areas. We want to contribute. Now it might be that, that God's placed on your heart the elderly or the widows. It might be that you have giftings in administration or teaching. Maybe your heart is to maintain the building that God has so graciously given to us. Maybe it's, it's other areas like helping the kids or bringing a meal. But when we do what God has placed on our hearts to do, what he's gifted us to do, where we're passionate, we have that sense of importance of our work, and it becomes a fulfilling experience, and it leaves us wanting to do it well. We know that no one can do everything, but we do believe that everyone can do something. And we want everyone to find their place to serve in the church family, And this, of course, doesn't negate us our our greatest work, which is our family. Our family comes first. Our biological family. It doesn't negate that we're going to serve in our workplace, just as our scripture, Cornerstone Scripture this morning talked about, you know, whatever our hands find to do, we we do it as a fun to the Lord. You know, that's in our workplace, it's in our neighborhood, it's, it's in our community. But when we find a place to serve in our church as well, That's what God's asking us to do as well. Contributing to the family of God. Nehemiah organized the people. He put them in the places that they would feel ownership to the project. And God led Nehemiah to record the people in the places. And as you read this chapter fully, you'll see that God led Nehemiah to record it in a pattern. Now the pattern can be kind of difficult to pick out at first. Remember the spring potholes as as you read through it? But once we pick our way through the difficult names, we can see the patterns there. So look again at verse 4 with me. It's next to Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakaz, made repairs. And next to him, Meshalam, the son of Barakiah, and the son of Meshazabel, made repairs. Now look at it with the difficult names, without the difficult names to bog us down. Next to them, he made repairs. And next to him, another made repairs. And next to him, another also made repairs. They stood shoulder to shoulder to accomplish the work. There's the pattern. Fifteen times, Nehemiah writes next to him. 16 times he writes after him or after them. And so and so repaired another section. You know, I know you might still be considering this chapter as your go-to reading when you're having a hard time sleeping. But what if we approached it this way? What if we approached it this way? Next to Lou was Rosemary, who repaired the section of the wall. Next to her was Mary Lou, who repaired the next section of the wall. Next to her was Cheryl, who repaired a section of the wall. 
who next to her was Jim, who repaired a section of the wall. And we could go down through every single one. As we stand shoulder to shoulder, doing what it is that God has asked us to do. And of course, the family of God is broad, and that's why I included Lou. But it also is our church family here in Hill City as well. Every single person has a part, a role to fulfill. And so when we can take a passage like this, and we can put our own personal names in place of the very difficult ones, we can see that pattern of people standing shoulder to shoulder to do what God would ask us to do. I believe God wants us to see that he's the one who directed Nehemiah to put each person in a place where they would take ownership for the purpose of rebuilding. And I also believe that God has for each of you a place to serve where you can take ownership as we rebuild the ministry. The Apostle Paul brings this principle forward for followers of Jesus in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, when he wrote, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. Each one of us is part of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter what our trade, what our gender, what our age, what our position is. We're all part of the body, specifically here in Hill City Assembly of God, being a part of of the role that he would have for us to fulfill. And it's vital that we all fulfill that role that God has put on our hearts to fulfill as we continue the kingdom work here. The work of the church requires every member, their efforts in order to have the body of Christ to function effectively. And that's true whether it be in a rebuilding time or whether it be in a time of abundance. We all have to work shoulder to shoulder. Jesus said over 2,000 years ago that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's just as true today. The harvest is still plentiful. There's still many that are waiting to hear the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for them on the cross, that he gives us the opportunity to have a restored relationship back with our Heavenly Father. But the workers are still few. And so if everybody can do their part in the work of the ministry, we can raise up other workers, other workers that can go forth So we minister here in Hill City, but we send people out as well. I believe that God has each of you in this place. I said that that last week for a purpose as we rebuild the ministry. And some of you have found that place to serve. And you're serving enthusiastically. Keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. For others of you, maybe you've wanted to serve, but you aren't sure how to start The first step is us getting to know you better, getting to know where your interests are, getting to know what hobbies you have 
So to help us with that, we've included in your bulletins this morning an interest assessment. I couldn't come up with a better word than assessment, but um, that's what it is. And I, and I encourage you, even, even if you're already finding a place to serve, would you just take a moment and fill that out? You can drop it in the metal bucket on the red counter this morning, and, and leadership will take it from there. We'll get in contact with you and, and hear your heart more one-on-one, -on -one, but at least that'll give us a, a starting point as we move forward. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, I need a little bit more time to process this, and, and you want to bring it back next week. That's, that's okay. Just prayerfully consider what it is that, that your interests are, what it is that maybe God's asking you, you to do in, in fulfilling your role. And you can use the list that we've provided as a guide for that, but then just fill it out. We'll have that, that metal bucket on the counter for two weeks, and we just encourage you to respond to that. But I do want to also include this, so, so just listen closely to this. There's usually three main common concerns when it comes to serving. The first one is, I'll get involved and realize it's not for me, and then I'll be stuck. <laughs> you know, like maybe it's going to be inscribed on your tombstone. They served in this area. That, I mean, that was just your life thing. You were stuck in that. Well, of course, our, our idea of expressing interest doesn't mean that you're locked into serving in this area for the rest of your life. We want people to find the right place. And sometimes that takes experimenting with different things. And we get that. And so we had just asked that, that it would just be when you decide to make a commitment to something. And filling out the interest thing is not making a commitment to anything. I want to be really clear with that. But as we do this... Um, and you do get to that place where you want to make a commitment, we just ask three months. Three months, be committed. And, and then if you find that that's not your fit, that's okay. We'll get you plugged in somewhere else. Or if it is like three, three months, is that already been three months? It seems like it's only been three weeks. I want to do this forever. Or I want to do an ex extended time. Then that's great. Then we know that we found that right place. It's your dream place to serve. And so that's, that's one of the concerns that people have. So I want you to know that's not the expectation of your church leadership. The second concern that people quite often will express is, I want to serve in this area, but I don't know how to do it. <laughs> well, no need to worry there, because we want you to succeed. So we're going to equip you, and we're going to guide you. We're going to give you the tools that you need. Think about our passage for today. How many of them do you think had built a wall prior to? Probably not very many, but they took up the good work. And so we're going to equip you to take up the good work. The third reason quite often people will give is once they find out I can do things, they'll load other things on me. We don't want anyone burnt out. That's why we strive to have someone hopefully only serving in two areas. Obviously, we have a little smaller church. There's lots of work to be done. But as we raise up others that will, will join us in the good work, um, it's going to lessen the load significantly. And so we do guard against that. We don't want anyone getting burnt out either. 
So those are usually the areas. And so again, the, red, or the, the metal bucket's going to be there on the red counter. And, and so just drop that in to help your leadership out as far as being able to have a, an understanding moving forward where it is that you might desire to serve. You know, some churches do gift assessments, and, and that's something we're working towards in the future. But for now, um, the leadership team would just love to hear your heart and give you an opportunity to share your interests, and then we'll work from there in helping you find a place to serve. You are an important part of the family of God. You have a role to fulfill in his work here. So reaching and ministering to the people in our community, in our church, it needs every member of the family contributing finding their place. Some behind the scenes, and that's okay. Others taking a more public role. But remember, no one can do everything. But everyone can do something. Nehemiah organized the workers, giving opportunity for everyone to contribute. And we just want to do the same here in Hill City Assembly of God. Everyone standing shoulder to shoulder everyone finding a place to serve.